It's time to park your rear on the couch, relax, and enjoy Couch Spuds. This week's movie, chosen by Ray, was Color Out of Space. Nicolas Cage plus Lovecraftian horror equals one crazy ass mind trip. Here's Ray Jensen, Nate Jensen, and Tracy Pham. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Couch Spuds. I'm Ray Jensen alongside Nate Jensen and Tracy Pham. Fellas, this week's movie I picked, and we had Color Out of Space, directed and co-written by Richard Stanley. Before we get to this interpretation of the short story by H.P. Lovecraft, what we normally do, what we're playing, what we're watching, we started with Tracy last week. So, Nate, what are you playing and watching? I got back into Yucca Zero because I took a break. Listeners have probably noticed I did more Switch stuff for a while. So before watching Color Out of Space, I did a sub-story in Yakuza, which was How to Train Your Dominatrix, so I forgot how weird Yakuza is. <laughs> okay. It's not like a subplot where it's like you got to convince a woman to be more assertive, like it's Plankton being told, telling Spongebob that. <laughs> but it's, it's a fun game still. I like the, uh, that there's just ridiculous weapons. I just have a cannon, a literal, just you just pull a cannon from the 17th century and use that against your enemies. So I'm going to try to beat that, and then after that, if... SpongeBob rehydrated Battlefield Bikini Bottoms out. I'll probably pick up that. So those are my plans. Finished the Tetsuo Iron Man box set, which was the director's couple of films, which are good. It's very weird, which is kind of par for the course for this week, at least for the Lovecraft stuff. But that was more like sexual stuff and all that. Even the samurai film, like it's not going to get weird. And immediately it's like the jerk off scene happens. I'm like, all right, well, (laughs) I was wrong. I actually looked up the actor for the Seven Samurai because the director apes that uh, actor, which is Takashi Shinomura, which is the bald dude, the leader of Seven Samurai. But he plays the opposite, almost like the anti-version of him, which is a dude that loves violence and isn't doing it for the right reasons and stuff like that. That was my week. Wow. Wow. Um, I got a speechless right now. (laughs) After um, finishing Final Fantasy VII, I just went went kind of numb and just wanted to just relax and just read a bunch of comic books. But then Friday happened. I got my copy of uh, The Last of Us 2. And so far, I'm 10 hours in. I don't get the hate for it. I'm enjoying it a lot. But I, I do agree with what Neil Druckmann said on this tweet. He's like, you know, it's not really a fun game. Like, I, it is really depressing. But yet, I hate this character and I want to go look for, for them and uh, kill them. But at the same time, like when you kill someone in this game, it, it is like really, really violent. Like I've never felt this way in a video game before. Like when you stab someone, it sounds like you're actually stabbing them in the throat. And it is disgusting, but yet so satisfying. And I know I'm probably on a watch list right now. And if the FBI, <laughs> if you're listening to this, um, hi. Yeah, so far, I'm, I'm loving The Last of Us too. Uh, unless there's a shift in the game where I, I hate it and I will tell you tell you that next week because I'm, I'm gonna finish this this game this week and we can probably do a whole podcast on just the leaks behind last of us 2 mm-hmm. and all the outrage see, that came out of it yeah see that's the thing i i stay away from that stuff like i don't i don't see what's the, the point in looking up leaks and all that like i i get it you know some people just aren't it's aren't in aren't into that um this type of game which is fine hey different people different tastes but I, I'm, I'm not one of those people. Yeah, I, I, I would love to do a podcast on this. I looked it up because I'm an internet 
trash dumpster fire diver kind of man i've accepted that <laughs> like so it's part of like just why are people so mad and how come people get like very salty so i will say nothing about the game i'm just waiting for your reaction to it i'm just excited to see how tracy if next week it's like either you're like oh it's a great game or the other opposite could happen where it's like oh this is a terrible game so i'm, I'm just excited see, from like the outside looking in see i'm not i'm not like that like i i, I try to be objective as possible like when I, right. even for last week's capone I heard that movie was awful, right? But yet, I still go into that movie with an open mind, and yet I still hated it. But maybe my my opinion can change by by the end of this game because I'm ten hours in, I'm still loving it. You right. Know, it, it disturbs me when I kill someone, but still, like I'm enjoying it. Join so, the salt yeah, mines. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like that. I'm not like that. Like I said, I just dive in because it's just fun to know like why people got so salty. And honestly, I wasn't really, oh, I got to play Last of Us 2. I'm like, all right, what's happening? All right. And then it, say nothing and, and just wait. <laughs> you know? And that's, that's kind of me too. Like the Last yeah. of Us, the first Last of Us instantly became in uh, one of my favorite games of, of all time. It's in my top five. Right. And when I first saw the reveal, I, I was excited. But at the same time, I thought, we don't really need a sequel to this because I loved how the, the game ended and it ended on a, I don't want to say like a positive note. It's positive, but it was also a somber note for and this. I was okay with it for the theme okay of the game. It. Last of us yeah. ending scene works with the whole theme and you know, yeah. humanity and the individual yeah. and stuff like that. It worked. It all works yeah. for that. game. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. And we didn't need that. But when I saw, also saw the, the reveal, I was like, I get to spend more time with Ellie and Joel because to me, Ellie and Joel are real people. I don't see characters; they're real people to me, and I lo- I love like just spending time with them in their shoes. And I'll admit, when I the first, in, in these ten hours, I cried. I cried like four times. But then again, you know, I still have another like fourteen, fifteen, maybe twenty hours left. My opinion can change like that. So yeah, that's that's my feelings on The Last of Us Part Two. Like Nate did, I looked at the leaks just out of curiosity standpoint. I, I played mm-hmm. Last of Us 1. When it first came out, I, I remember renting it. I couldn't get into it, and so I sent it back. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, ah, maybe I'll revisit this later. And then when PS4 mm-hmm. came out and the definitive edition was released for Last of Us 1, I revisited the game, completed it. It was okay. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. It was an enjoyable experience, mm-hmm. and I mean that not as in, like, I enjoyed all the misery involved in it. It's like, <laughs> it, it, was, yeah. it was an interesting experience in the sense that it was, as Nate and you put it profoundly, it's not a happy ending, but no, it, at the no. least it's definitive. Mm-hmm. And I agree if, if you, Tracy, and Nate has made this point before, we, when we talked about this before coming on today, this game really didn't need a sequel. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand where all this, I agree, where all this outrage is coming from. Because now mm-hmm. there's all this hate towards uh, Neil Druckmann and his association yeah. with Anita Sarkeesian. And that's a, a whole other, you know... Yeah. Bag of I don't agree with that open up. I don't agree with that either. I like Neil, but that I don't agree with. I don't yeah. like her at all. I, I read this. Mm-hmm. I read the synopsis once the game came out, and just reading through it, I feel like my time would be wasted playing this game, or I fe- that's how I would feel. But I'm I'm okay. definitely gonna play it at some point. I'm just in no rush. And if you enjoy the game, I'm not gonna say you suck or your taste in games yeah. is horrible. <laughs> like yeah. that's your. Uh. I'm not like that either. Yeah, I'm not like that either. Like they're like I will fully admit there are movies that we don't like that you like and I don't like, and there are movies that you like and I don't like, and we're still best friends. I consider us best friends, all the three of us. Well, we hate to break and it to you, I, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> about that one chief, about that one, about getting real <laughs> awkward. Yeah, like, I'm okay with I'm okay with y'all having like different opinions than mine. 
I just don't get all this outrage on, on for the game. Like, what kills me is that they're 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 forcing this shit on other Naughty Dog franchises, like Uncharted. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, Uncharted Four is horrible because of Neil Druckmann's involvement. What? No, I, no, I, that uh, game was amazing. I, I get that at least. I understand that because I'll admit when I was playing Uncharted Four. Do you mind if I spoil Uncharted Four? Like for the small, it's an old. It's game. it's an old game. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, the it's moment when it's the fun. old lady dies is when I'm like, "This is some fucking bullshit." It's like, why is Nathan Drake not Nathan Drake? It's some other fake name. It's like this is just stupid. We just needed him to have adventures. He meets Sully in three. That was it. His brother being lost. That's fine. Like his brother got in trouble for like killing a man. Cool. It's just there's dumb plot points in it. The ending's fine. Everything else is fine. It's just the one that old lady died when this is just, I just stupid. I just hate <laughs> to be a dick. I mean, if you think Uncharted 4 is like the worst game Naughty Dog has ever come out with. It's not. You know, we have a very different no. definition of horrible games. All I'm saying. <laughs> this isn't no. David Cage like I'm trying to be artsy here. It's a fun Indiana Jones romp. I just hate that one dumb plot point. That's it. <laughs> I have to disagree with you on that, Nate. I, I like that point, plot point. but I just thought it was stupid. Like I just didn't care. I was like, all right, look, I got it. We have to be <laughs> <That's> adventurers. <fine. laughs> That's fine. Uh, but the one thing I do like is that in Uncharted 4, there's a definitive ending. Yeah. There's a definitive ending in that game, and I love I loved that part. Yeah, I, yeah. Loved, I love the epilogue mm-hmm. with, with uh, mm-hmm. Nathan and Elena's daughter, for sure. Yeah. I actually, speaking yeah. of spoilers and all that, I kind of shut myself off when it was Red Dead Redemption 2. But if I was told, hey, you oh, could yeah. play as John Marston at the end, I would have been like, all right, sold, extra sold, give me the money. Because that's one of my favorite characters. I don't know what it is. I think it's just the whole, like, I'm doing it for mm-hmm. my family in the first one that I, I like. Mean, I mean, I love John too. I've been told there's going to be a remaster, and I would—I'm ashamed to say this—I would instantly buy that. And I—I'd be curious if they did a remaster. I'd be curious to change if they—if they retcon some stuff. I assume they to make it match too. They'd mention probably like Arthur. Final Fantasy Seven. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but like that, that feels 7. more like Kingdom Hearts Three stuff's getting in there for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy that's running it is just like, all right, now well, yeah, the time travel ghosts come in. <laughs> that's a fi- it's a fine line to walk because a lot of people yeah. were pissed at Final Fantasy Seven the remake because they changed stuff from the original. But See, I like, never played the original. Right. I never did it. You. I mean, I you were the up. one that forced it upon me. Well, I wouldn't you force were... it. <laughs> I like I like eight more than seven. That's because Squall's my boy, but. But, but well, you still fine. forced it upon me. You and Nate. I mean, you and Nate. You and Nick, Nick yeah. forced it upon me. <laughs> I <laughs> and, didn't even play Instagram Final Fantasy. <laughs> I, I appreciate yeah. Nomura like doing that and making making mm-hmm. changes. It's a it's a I I, I is it a uh, I want to say brave thing to do, but I can't think of any other term to do it that that mm-hmm. could more eloquently say that action of, of making changes to an original idea that people fell in love with. Because sometimes change is, mm-hmm. change is interesting. Sometimes we don't want to play the same old, same old game when it, come, when no, it comes yeah, to a exactly. remake. Exactly. I love that. I mean, so. they, re- they remade Resident Evil 2 to be, like, different and You're, have different right. mechanics. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. And then everyone loved that game. Yeah. Everyone loved that game, including me. Which, speaking yeah. of that, Resident Evil 4 is probably going to happen. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm actually excited it's, for that. It's interesting. I liken I liken the remakes like the Final Fantasy VII remake to this, like Rob Zombie's Halloween. It was yeah. different. It was Ugh. not a shot for shot remake of the original Halloween. And whatever you may think I of think... Rob Zombie's Halloween, it at least tried to differentiate itself from the original. I think Jordan and I disagree on that. So Jordan, if you listen on <laughs> listening on this, I'm not saying it was perfect, but it's. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I like <laughs> you would have as many detractors if he did it just a shot for shot remake as you would if you did that something kind of different. That is true. I like Malcolm McDowell's performance in that. <laughs> well, Malcolm McDowell's the shit. Like he, like yeah. he's awesome. You know, we should watch Clockwork Orange for one of these days, just for shits and giggles. And then do Home, <laughs> then do Home Alone Five, which I think, which I think he was <laughs> yeah. in. Yes, he is. 
<laughs> shit, we just do Death Race 2050. Yeah. That. <laughs> that shit, I didn't realize. I, I didn't even mention what I was watching and yeah, <laughs> playing this yeah. week. I was about to say, go, go your turn, Ray. Uh, I haven't really had a lot of time to, to do any of that. It's been a, a busy week for me in terms of uh, of schooling. It's it's the final term of the current semester for grad school for me this past week. So a lot of paper writing, a lot of, a lot of crunching <laughs> to just get things out and finished. Uh, I spent the latter part of this week a part of a, a seminar on diversity, uh, inclusion, and equity. A very timely immersion, considering the, the state of the, the world that we're living in right now. It was a lot of good ideas that came from it, a lot of good perspectives that I didn't have before, it's, and stories that I learned from people who are going through uh, some of the struggles in, in terms of uh, racial inequity that, that happens in our nation. But one thing I was really disappointed in on uh, at the end of the first day, the, the professor was moderating the whole immersion. There was like 140 some of us in like a digital space. So it was it was it was different because normally they do these immersions in person. He teased that we were going to have a student who went to the, the Juneteenth rally in Tulsa uh, and, and the student would be sharing their experience and that they were a journalist. And I was hyped for this because that, that's a really unique perspective that I wanted to hear from. So fast forward to this morning when I hop in and ready for the immersion and he brings on the student. And the student revealed she didn't even go to Tulsa. Oh, that's and th- this. This was this was a. This was. <laughs> I'm an sorry, event. I'm still laughing over this. I just find it so goddamn funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> I dude, I saw red. I'm like, are you kidding me? This was something yeah, that I'm was with put, you on that, Ray. This was something that was put oh. on the docket for for weeks. When I mean, they released the final series of events for the higher, entire immersion, that, that was going to lead off the day. This thing was on the docket for weeks, and. If this individual did not know she was going to or knew she was going to Tulsa, she had a responsibility to tell people that, like, hey, I actually can't go to this event and report on it. So I, I'm not mad at the at my institution for giving a student the shadow of a doubt, which they should. You know, they should you know, have faith in the student to do what they say they're going to do. But I'm more disappointed in her for not coming forward when she needed to and say, hey, I actually cannot deliver the value of the experience that was promised. Can we refocus on something else? She then went on to talk about she's been at multiple rallies. I wanted to hear that experience for sure, because some someone that's on the ground level, what's happening in the streets right now? That's an important story to tell. I can't. I couldn't help but feel that her experience was a little bit invalidated by the fact she wasn't able to be as forthcoming with her inability to deliver in that particular scenario. It's yeah. just unfortunate. I try not to sling mud in this case and invalidate her possible knowledge, but that pissed me off, to be frank. Yeah. Well, you, you have every right to be pissed off, right? It would be like, oh, God, I was trying to think of the equivalent. I think I told Ray about this. It would be like we were talking about having a guy from Creep Show show up. And he did in my college class for the horror class. But instead, we'd gotten our professor, Marty Skiff, which we already knew. Well, we got both. That's the closest thing I can equivalent to Ray's experience. But in my case, it was like it all went well. In Ray's case, it all went wrong. <laughs> well, it's yeah. like to me, I liken it to when you're, feel- when you're supposed to do your homework, but then you come up like, oh, my dog ate it. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that's, that's exactly how I, I was about it. to say that. Yeah, I was about to say that, but you you beat me to it. My right? bad, but yeah, <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, no, I, I I try not to let it overshadow a very positive event in every other sense of all these stories. Like I'll be honest, like you know, Trace, you got emotional over the events in Last yeah, of Us too. I got emotional over the events that happened to a lot of these faculty and students that were sharing their stories mm-hmm. and, and things like that. There's a lot of emotion, a lot of raw emotion. Hey, hey, I I got emotional in The Last of Us Part Two. How do you think I, I would feel if I was there, man? Like, I know what you mean. I would need like 10 boxes of tissues if I was there. Yeah, this is a very interesting week and a very interesting experience. But on another note, now that we have all of our personal 
weeks out of the way, let's talk about mm-hmm. the movie at hand this week, and that was Richard Stanley's Color Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage, Jolie Richardson, Madeline Arthur. Tommy Chong has a bit part in it as well. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> yeah, and as a, as a fan of H.P. Lovecraft's work, maybe not necessarily of the man's ideologies himself, but of his creative vision, I think this was the closest we'll get to a true interpretation of his work and in, in a more modern sense. And we'll, t- and we'll talk about what I mean by that in a little bit. But I enjoyed this movie, fellas. What about you? I loved it. I was thinking about how, like, this is not... I don't know if this is the third or second time. Because I know Die, Monster, Die with Nick Adams, which is, like, a really old horror film with Forrest Coffin and, like, the old Frankenstein dude in it, is based off of Color Out of Space, but, like, very loosely. Nicolas Cage does a fantastic performance going insane and back again. <laughs> almost to the point where it's, like, from Kiss of the Vampire to Face Off. The music's great. I forget the guy's name. I think it's like Colin Summers. They used him for the Junti Ito Uzumaki promo for Adult Swim. Oh, Colin, Colin Stetson, I believe yes. his name is. Yes, that's the guy's name. He does a fantastic job. And also the color palette. They use such interesting, like the hot neon pink and like the light blues. It's such a beautiful film for such disgusting horror just- in it. Yeah, Nate had a lot of the points that I was going to sound off on, like the, the color in particular. It, it's... It did a good job of showing the color itself because I know a lot of past interpretations had the movie completely in black and white and ex- with the exception of the color itself. So I did, I agree with Nate on the choice of coloring. Uh, Nicolas Cage was in rare form <laughs> as himself. <laughs> he just uh, walked on stage one time. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if you've seen Mandy and ex- want more of that from Nicolas Cage, and I think this movie will deliver in a lot of those areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, this is one of those movies that I feel should have gotten more commercial success than it did or more attention than it did. Cause I think this is a brilliant science fiction horror movie. I think I saw a lot of inspirations from other great horror movies we've seen in this past couple of years. I saw a lot of influence from hereditary into this. I don't know if I, if I'm alone in that guys. No, you're right on that. Yeah, the, you. uh, Colin's I'm going to fuck up that guy's name again, but the Colin Stetson. music, Stetson, his music, I think is in hereditary as well. So that that's there. A bit of the things in this, honestly, John Carpenter is the thing I should say. You pretty much, like nailed on the head how I feel like the color is amazing there are shots in this movie where there are lights in the background and it's and it's like flickering and I just thought that was like the coolest thing in the world but I like the soundtrack uh, Nick, of course Nicolas Cage's performance uh, what what more can I say Nate you nailed it on the head too it's pretty much like this is like peak 90s Nicolas Cage at, at, at his prime it's like this is Vampire's Kiss this is Face Off a little uh, bit of Con Air in there, well, a little bit of The Rock, and he had some of the the funniest lines in the movie that I I just well we saw this movie like literally minutes ago. <laughs> I busted out laughing, and I've seen this movie twice now. I know. Well, the one thing you mentioned when we were when we were watching Ray was when you noticed things that I didn't notice the first time around, like how the animals in this movie sees the color more than people do, and I didn't know that the first time. Great catch. Great catch. That's a common ploy in movies that like animals detect yeah. events. You know, we, we all heard the stories about how dogs and cats and other animals feel yeah. the a presence. Yeah. The presence of a ghost. Or like yeah. even natural disasters. Like dogs can tell when an earthquake is coming before people do. See how I interpreted it is that I like you said, right? That that's a trope in, in movies in general, but how I interpreted it was like the, the colors making everything go insane. What the movie is is essentially this family going insane. And then I, that's how I interpreted it. But then you said, oh, the, the animals can see the color more than, than the people. Huh. 
Now that's a different way to see it. Now I, I like that. It should also be mentioned the usage of like not only just the music but the sounds to show that it's people are going insane like the static the, the whistle yes yeah, the, whistle, the whistle the static whistle and yeah. it's like that frequency because like dogs have that frequency whistle where if it blows they go like you know ape shit or something and that kind of happens with the family as like they just hear that whistling and just go like Ugh. <laughs> again yeah it reminds me of hereditary with the clicking noise the, the yeah. high the high pitch <laughs> yeah the high pitches yeah and the clicking of the I can't do that but yeah. You know if you've seen the Reddit, yeah. you, you know. Yeah. I can't do it, but I'll try like the. Yeah. Uh, there you it. go. <laughs> it's, it's a weird throat singing, singing thing. I don't know why I can do it. I enjoyed this movie a lot, but the only thing I didn't like was some of the CGI was very noticeably bad. But I, I'm willing to give this movie a pass, though, because this is a smaller budgeted movie. And I think they were going for that, like, low budget look. I could be wrong. What do you guys think? I didn't mind the CGI because when they. When they use practical effects, those were so good mm-hmm. that I can kind of overlook the CGI in some places. Because mm-hmm. this movie didn't make a ton of money. I think I had like a budget no. between like six million and an old, I don't think it even yeah. brought in a million dollars at the box office no, when it, I looked. It, it, it mostly played in um, film festivals. So uh, that's probably why. And it just went straight to Blu-ray. And a lot, I, I've seen a lot of people that rave about this movie too. So we're not the only ones, guys. But Nate, what do you what do you feel what are your feelings on the CGI? For the cat scene, that was really bad. I don't know why they did that. <laughs> For the G spot, yeah. which uh, again, some of the writing's funny. Where yeah. the I can't remember the brother's name, but the older brother Benny, Benny, yeah, Benny, Benny. or Benny yeah. would do the rhymes where it's like witch, bitch, like life stealing succubus yeah. and stuff like that, just to show that they have a back and forth with the kids. Though one yeah. scene I thought was really bad. It's it's again, this is like a nice B movie. It's actually really good. I, I say B movie mm. just to like prepare people for Nicolas Cage camp. That's all. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I'll echo on that too because this is, like I said, it's peak '90s Nicolas Cage. But so, the but one ahead, scene Nate. that I just yeah. don't like for whatever reason is Benny, and it's just like the dog's in the well. It's like Benny, leave the dog in the well, because <laughs> like he puts on like the old like goggles because they have like some grandfather that I guess was supposed to be because he looks kind of twenties, nineteen twenties ish, because they have like the old photo of him. So they have like the compass and the goggles. So he uses the goggles, and I think that's the first time we really see like the tentacles of the color itself pull somebody in. But I just, uh, the only reason I hate that scene is it's like dumb horror movie decision. Like, win stupid prizes when you play stupid games. The dog's in the well. Don't go in the well. Don't. <laughs> well, also, they're going crazy. Fair enough. Color. <laughs> like, the color can pro- probably, like, drew them in. Okay, so I want to ask you guys this. What was your favorite Nicolas Cage line in this movie? I'll, I'll start mine. It's when, uh, th- this thing happened, okay? And he's freaking out on his daughter, and he says, you know, why don't you get the fuck out of my face? Or better yet, I'll get the fuck out of yours. And he just walks off. And that scene, <laughs> it killed me. It just killed me, guys. What What are yours? I gotta go with when he looks like a crack addict. And he's like, you know, it's the sheriff and the, I, oh god, I can't remember the main character, the, the toxologist, Ward. the Ward. 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 Ward's going Ward. up, and they're just looking at him like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, I, I'm playing a wife, for, I'm playing a movie for my wife. Uh, we just had, you know, we got some water. <laughs> it's just that and like when he's going crazy and throwing the daughter to the monster wife child thing. He's just, you know, family's supposed to stick together. And it's just like, oh, fuck, he's gone crazy again. <laughs> it's just those bits. <laughs> For me, probably when he was yelling at his wife, Teresa, and just slam dunking tomatoes in the can, <laughs> in the garbage can, because they're all rotten. Yeah. I like that part because that's from yeah. the original story where because the radiation or whatever that. it is, is just... 
Yeah. Fucking up all the plugs and tape. It made everything inedible and like everything or it turned to dust. Actually, for the most part, it follows the story pretty well. Like, it's not like just the radiation kind of poison stuff that was. I, again, I haven't read the short story in forever, but I it's, think it was more. It was more like a disease, almost like cancer. Honestly, it's very much a very tri- true modern retelling of the short yeah. story. And I, I was about to say that um, Richard Stanley, he's obviously a fan of Love Lovecraft, because when we watched this movie, you could tell that he handled this movie with care, and that's what I love about it. Yeah, he definitely did the story original story service. And, and with that, let's go on to our next point. Let's talk about H.P. Lovecraft himself. A complicated guy. His racism is a known factor in his writing. And with that, I, think, I like what this movie did, and it made a person of color and the character Ward Phillips as pretty, pretty much the most intelligent person in the damn movie. And that's not yes. something we saw on Lovecraft's writing. I, I agree with you that on that, Ray, because... You know, you see, you, you see some, a person of color in a, in a horror movie, and they're usually the first one to go. He is actually the smartest one, like you said. Like, he's a toxologist. Yeah, Hydro- hydrologist. Whatever. Hydrologist, yes. I remember that because I hadn't heard that thing before, so I'm like, all right, that's a new word yeah. I've learned today. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and he's always there to help. He's, he's always uh, a foot ahead of our main cast of characters, but the thing is, you know, there, another gripe I have with this movie is that I, he's not in it enough. Like, I wanted more of him. Like, I liked him a lot. Well, but, it's yeah. kind of tried and true to Lovecraftian stuff because, mm-hmm. like, Ward is a professor. And most of these stories, it's not always about the people that find the thing. Yeah. It's the people that research it or something like that. Like, I know yeah. Mounds of Madness, you know, it's the guy that's really there. But, like, uh, mm-hmm. I think the Dunwich Horror, a lot of it, it's, like, done through almost, like, documentarian style where it's, like, through yeah. letters and through findings and newspapers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it yeah, works. I, I like I like that, but yeah. he he just gave a, a good performance, and I like the actor that played him. He was a charismatic guy. Elliot Knight did a fantastic job as Ward Phillips, and I <laughs> and I think if yeah. Richard Richard Stanley has his way, I think we're going to see more of him as Ward Phillips and and future Richard Stanley works because he wants to make this a trilogy, <laughs> a first one of a trilogy, with the next <laughs> entry being the Dunwich Horror. But it's not a it's not a confirmed project yet. But I would love to see. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm still hoping for Gail del Toro's. Uh, Mountains of Madness. I know I'm not going to get it, but <laughs> I would love to see that too. Yeah, same. Guillermo del Toro is an excellent master in visionary horror, and I would love mm-hmm. to see his interpretation of Lovecraft's work. I would like. To, I like that we're seeing more and more Lovecraft stuff. Like True Detective's first season was based on The King in Yellow. Uh, Lovecraft so Country is coming out. And people who don't know H.P. Lovecraft, just look at his most popular work in, in Call of Cthulhu. The heroes in that story, or protagonists, are you will, are all white. Mm-hmm. Anyone of color, whether it's Hispanic. Or, or black, they're painted as worshippers of Cthulhu, which is very problematic. Yeah, I agree. What, what can I say? He was uh, born in a different time. but Definitely a product of its time, it. for sure. It's hard sometimes to separate the, the story from the person sometimes, because I, I can't deny that Lovecraft wasn't a, a very unique visual person. If it weren't for his ideas and his mm-hmm. stories, Stephen King wouldn't Evil. be a thing, for example. Yeah, Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't be a thing either. Like, the, never, the Necronomicon wouldn't have been in The Evil Dead. It would have been something else. True. There's something interesting about with Lovecraft's work. Like, you can get someone like Trey Parker and Matt Stone from South Park have, like, Cartman team up with Cthulhu to get revenge on his friends. And the other thing I wanted to point out is interesting because Lovecraft died, I think, in the 30s. It's interesting for the tone of science fiction because after World War II, it's the atomic bomb. And so you get stuff like The Thing and you know aliens and stuff like that and lovecraft had kind of started out with the extraterrestrial and the bizarre and outer space stuff 
but he never saw stuff like the atomic bomb, which kind of goes in with his themes of how small and insignificant we are in comparison to things of great destruction. Yeah. Yeah. Just the beginning of Call of Cthulhu, the, the greatest blessing of mankind is that it's the mind is not able to correlate all of its contents. Right. That some things are better left unknown. And I think, no, no, no. I think the atomic bomb, if Lovecraft lived to see the atomic bomb, I think it would have horrified him. And I, I still need to read up more on the, on the man himself to kind of understand his mind and, and his creative vision, even despite his problematic mindset when it came to people of, of different races. Color. But it, I think we need to understand, there's a benefit in understanding even condemnable perspectives. Right. Me, I, I have no problem separating the art from the artist when it comes to Lovecraft, but there, I agree with what you said, Ray. Well, it's like, do, I, you, do we still listen to R. Kelly music? Do we still listen to Michael Jackson music? It's like, it's... I still listen to MJ. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting question, and I try not to judge people yeah. for, their, for their answer as long as it's kind of well thought out. Yeah. The I, end of the day, separating the art from the artist depends on the person. Like, Hitler could have made some really good paintings, and it might be hard for people to look at that and think that's a good painting because of yeah, who painted it. Yeah, I was about it, to know? say... Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. a, it's an interesting question yeah. that may not have a it right is. or wrong answer. It is, it is. And I'm, it's, it's hard to get my train of thought. Because when you asked this question, I, I thought like, well, it's easier for me to separate the art from the artist because, you know, one of my favorite bands is Pantera. And of course, uh, Phil, the lead singer, is a dumbass and he says racist shit all the time. But I still listen to them. But, and then you have guys like Woody Allen where I refuse to watch his movies. His movies aren't that bad, though. Like, he's, he's a fucking weirdo. I'm gonna, it's like, you know, the Eddie Izzard bit, you know, fucking weirdo filmmaker in person. But I'll be honest, a couple of them are absolutely the same. Like, there's like one or two good Woody Allen films. Like, Windows is him trying to imitate Ingmar Bergman. And I, I'd recommend that to just see somebody try to imitate that style. See, Fucking weirdo I, dude, but, you know, good I, filmmaker. I, I know we're, we're, we're off topic on a little bit, but, like, I just want to just reiterate, like, I, it's, it's, it's a, like what you said, right? It's a interesting question because like like i said I could, i'm okay with phil and someone saying racist stuff and listening to pantera but then again and, and same with mj you know i still listen to mj but then again yeah guys like woody allen and roman polanski and i can't really watch their movies because of their past i i feel weird just answering this question it's not it's not a comfortable question that's for sure i can't say chinatown isn't a great film chinatown is oh is yeah a, is a very excellent film but i can't really mm-hmm commemorate the person who made the film yeah and when and when i whenever i watch that movie now like i have the blu-ray i've seen it a few times but like in the back of my head like this movie is made by roman polanski same with rosemary's baby well that's the other thing like yeah. i try to think about the other people that helped him make that movie mm-hmm. it's not just his movie at the end of the day there's not like, yeah. as, as much acclaim as directors get and rightfully so in a lot of places it's not just them that creates the, the yeah, movie experience that we enjoy yeah it's an entire group of people. So yeah, I try not to stole in... words from my mouth. Yeah, I try like, not to the invalidate cast, the crew. Right. I try not That's to invalidate that. that work because of solely one person when all these right. other people of better moral value also help create it. Yeah, that, that's a good question. Interesting question, Ray. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a deep week. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I feel, last I'll... of us, uh, your, your, um, your class, like, yeah, you're right. It is a... It was a deep week. <laughs> I was going to say for, I can separate it because it was in college. So I was showing these like, you know, here's this guy's work. You know, he's a bit of a goofball. Same thing with Woody Allen and Polanski. I think we watched Chinatown. And I think we also watched Tess, which Tess is really weird because honestly, there's a rape scene in it. And this is the film that he made after Sharon Tate was murdered and all that. So it's like trying to get into that headspace of the director and stuff like that. At the end of the day, I can go, these are guys that make good movies 
but they're fucking weirdos at the end of the day. It's it's, it's how it is. You know, people have eccentricities and problems that, you know, if they don't keep them in check, they can end up in jail and rightfully so. Like like Ray said, we listen to Art, we listen to MJ and, you know, he has been accused of some heinous stuff and yet I still listen to like it is a tough question. I, I know I'm reiterating that, but yeah, it, it a lot a lot has to do with what we value intrinsically. It's it's a different answer for everyone. And I try yeah. again, like I try not to be just judgmental as possible, but you know, sometimes you got to hold to your own ideals, and I can't really hold that against mm-hmm. anybody. At least I try not to. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's fair. It's all yeah. fair. Yeah, this was an excellent conversation, guys, and I greatly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. We got to choose a movie for next week, though, and I believe it's Tracy's turn. We're gonna. Go with a lighter one. You guys know, and I want the my our listeners to know that I have a disdain for uh, video game movies. As a gamer myself, I find them offensive. But I'm also, but lately I've been thinking that it would be hypocritical of me to like enjoy other video game movies like Detective Pikachu. You know, I know nothing about um, Pokemon. Mikey's looking at me right now. <laughs> uh, and um, the the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider movies, I enjoy those. But then I hate movies like, you know, the Resident Evil movies and Doom. And I keep thinking to myself, like, okay, this is kind of hypocritical of me because I enjoy one thing and then I avoid the others. So we're going to watch Sonic the Hedgehog. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That is a complete 180 from the past <laughs> movies we have watched the two weeks. Yes. Good old Jim uh, yes. Carrey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, Would this be a repeat viewing for all of us? No, Nate. I don't think Nate. You, you haven't seen, seen Sonic. Yet. I have not. Seen I this haven't at seen all. it yet either. Oh, okay. I have, wow. I haven't seen it either. Holy shit! Yeah. I think this is the first movie <laughs> I've seen, but nobody else has seen. Yeah. And of course, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> as a Sonic fan, well, I was a former Sonic fan. I am looking forward to this. I okay, I'm not a big Sonic fan. I shall admit, okay. I grew up on the PlayStation One as my first mm-hmm. game console. So I grew up with Crash. Spyro, I did play you know Mario and, and other Nintendo games, but we didn't. Our, I think the first Nintendo system we owned was a GameCube, so it was a bit before Nate and I hopped on the Nintendo hype train. I played Sonic 06. That was the first Sonic game I ever played. Yeah, yeah. and a very exactly. bad first impression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was um, awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, a brief history for uh, well, a little teaser for next week. Uh, I was a Sonic fan. I used to go to Walmart and play that um, on the P on not the PS One. Um, I forgot what console it was, but it's like the original Sonic. Sega Genesis. Uh, for, uh, yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was still on like one of those like stands. Mm-hmm. So I got. Yeah, to play, yeah. I got to play that a little. Yeah, I got to play that a little bit. Like I used to go there and I always play that. And then I would play. Um, uh, and my first console was for uh, the PS2, and I played uh, Sonic 06 on that too, and Sonic Heroes, and Shadow the Hedgehog. So, oh no! <laughs> so the, the, ultimate, Sonic, the that, ultimate of edge lords. <laughs> yes, the, <laughs> the the game that left this very sour taste in my mouth. So, it, but so, he's got a gun. How can it be bad? <laughs> I'll get I'll get to more I'll get into more detail of the of my disdain for that game next week, and we'll we'll get to see how I feel about well how me and everyone else feels about Sonic the Hedgehog. It'll be a very interesting discussion indeed, and it seems like, from what I've understood when I first saw the movie in theaters, this might be a launching point for a Sega cinematic universe, and if that's the truth, I'm all about that. Oh yeah, Yakuza movies. That it might actually be good. I have not seen Persona like a, movies. I've not seen like a dragon, but I, I, I kind of want to. 
I mean, isn't it Takeshi Mika? It ha- it can't be that bad, but I, don't I mean, know. Takeshi Mika that... can get pretty bad. Have you seen He's... Terraformers? I haven't. Yes. I've seen Blade of the Immortal. It's pretty bad. And, I mean, though the, the, the yeah. problem with Blade of the Immortal, and it's actually good. They had to take away the swastika because they're like, well, we can't have a guy with a swastika on his back. Yeah, so, that's true. Which is why I liked it because the kanji was for man. I'm like, God damn it, that's really cool. I don't know why. Because <laughs> I think of that South Park song. Now you're a man. <laughs> Inter- and it'll be interesting discussion. But guys, thank you for joining me on this discussion of Color Out of Space. I had a good yeah. time. It was fun. Yeah, I had a good time too. <laughs> All right. For Tracy Pham and Nate Jensen, this is Ray Jensen saying thank you for joining us for this week's Couch Buds. Stay safe, stay healthy out there, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Couch Buds. New episodes release every Monday. You can follow and listen to Couch Buds on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Podbean, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify.